welcome back to the What's Up and What's Next podcast, the greatest podcast of all times. And today we have a special guest, Sana Ajani, a product manager at Microsoft. Welcome, Sana. Nice to be here. Thanks, Eric. Now, thank you for making the time. Could you tell us a bit more about yourself? Sure. So my name is Sana and I professionally work at Microsoft as a product manager. I've been there for just over two years now out of college. Back in college, I, I went to Georgia Tech and I studied computer science for, I got my undergrad in computer science. And since then, I've been working in Seattle, but then because of this quarantine situation, I've actually moved back home uh, with my family in New Jersey for the time being. That's awesome. It's nice to be back home, isn't it? It is nice to be back home. It's 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 kind of nostalgic. I feel I'm like working in my bedroom that I was, you know, slaving away in high school. So it's <laughs> it's fun. It's nice to be back. I, I think I would. I'm glad I have the chance to be with family during this uh, during the time that we're in. Yeah, no, it's it certainly helps a lot. What is product management all about? I'm curious. Product management is an interesting field. It. It's a field that I think, or the role I think of a product manager combines a lot of other elements from a lot of other like specialties and fields too. So it's like a bit of engineering, a bit of design, a bit of marketing, a bit of um, like user research, a bit of business development. So it's kind of like a hodgepodge of all of those skills. And I think some so someone in my and at work uh, said a good a good way to kind of describe what a product manager is is uh, they're a creative problem solver with a soft spot for logistical nightmares. <laughs> um, and I think that was a pretty apt way of describing what I think a product manager does and what kind of it entails. It's intentionally kind of like a vague role, and I think it really. Like the, the requirements of the role really depend company to company um, and like the size of the company, you know, if you're in a customer facing kind of PM role or if you're like an enterprise PM, like you work on an enterprise product, um, there's a lot of subtle things that I think really kind of change what a product manager does day to day. But for the most part, uh, I feel like you're flexing all of those skills earlier. It's a good role because it, it exposes you to all of those little things that then makes you like a more complete package. I know you very heavily involved in the tech space and I really wanted to know how did you get into tech and why? Yeah, that's a good, that's a uh, amazing fact, a couple of years ago. So uh, in, in high school, I, I for the longest time, I'm, I'm pretty sure at some point every, every kid wants to be a doctor. And so that was me <laughs> in high school. I was pretty sure like I was gonna go that route, you know, just what your parents tell you, what you think of what like a success, successful person is. And so I kind of was taking all those classes and I kind of realized I just didn't like them. I didn't like learning chemistry or biology, but I was good at math. Um, and I, I liked that. I liked the challenge of that. And then the summer before my senior year of high school, I, I did a program within our community called Global Encounters, which is how I met you too. Yeah. Um, so it was a chance to volunteer in Kenya. And one of the projects that we did there was we worked at a girls' secondary school and uh, we kind of helped them onboard to Microsoft Office and Khan Academy and like use that for their learning. And I think that's when I kind of realized that technology is is, is such an empowering force. And I, I I felt like I wanted to, like that's when I kind of realized the promise of technology and that I wanted to work so I can have an impact on people everywhere. 
And so I wanted to kind of be a part of that. So uh, I applied to a lot of engineering uh, roles, but I didn't, uh, sorry, engineering majors, but I didn't really know what that would entail. Like I just kind of applied everywhere <laughs> as different engineering specialties too. And then when I, I got to Georgia Tech, uh, I took a computer science class my first semester. Uh, it was actually a requirement for everyone to take one computer science class. And I, I just, I loved it. Like, I, I felt like I was unlocking an entire new way of thinking, literally an entire new language, right? Like a new coding language. But it was just like a, a new way of thinking. Um, I, I didn't even realize like how logical and like, fun it could be to find a, a solution to a problem in a certain way. Um, and so that's, you know, I stuck with it after my first semester and since then got into uh, computer science and tech. And that's very cool. I think you are right. There's always, when you're young, there's always something that you sort of aspire to be, but then somehow you stumble upon something else and you end up taking the route that maybe it was meant to be, right? That's how I always see it. It's like things uh, and, and people come in, into your life and things come into your life for, for normally for a very specific reason. And I, I feel like that a lot. Like you always stumble upon the the things that are meant for you. And tech, tech is really like, the coolest, I'm biased obviously, but it's the coolest and fastest growing industry, if I'm not mistaken, on the sort of fastest, obviously the coolest, not being biased at all. And you just happened to work at a major company. And I remember when obviously Imran sort of sent me your LinkedIn and I, and I looked at your LinkedIn. And the first thing that sort of like caught my attention was obviously the fact that you work for such a major company but it was also the fact that you're a product manager for such a cool product. Like, honestly, like if you're a developer or if you're in the tech space and you're like in software development, you know about VS Code. Like VS Code is just like that popular and that used that you know about and that useful as well that you know about it. So I was like, whoa, like this person is like a product manager at Microsoft for VS Code. Like that is incredible. And I'm really curious now to know and understand how's life at Microsoft? Yeah, well, thank you. I'm glad. I know we've talked about this, but um, it, yeah, it's cool to work on a product that is used by you know millions of people, millions of developers. Like, I was in college using VS Code, and I'm I'm lucky to be able to work on it. Um, you know, after, outside of after college, um, at such an awesome company. I think Microsoft is itself such a large company that it's kind of hard to pin down the culture exactly because I feel like there's. You know, every kind of division or every kind of team might have a slightly different take on what the overall company mission, vision, and culture is. I think overall, like at the high level, working at Microsoft has has really like kind of. If you talk to someone who's older at Microsoft, they're gonna say it's really changed. But I, since I joined two years ago, I think I I only really see the final kind of result of out of all those changes. It's, it's a lot more open and transparent than I think it has been, you know, historically in the past, like 10, 20 years ago. I think it's kind of like a cool company now. Like Microsoft, you know, used to be known as like the grandfather of tech <laughs> uh, out of all the companies. It was, you know, it was there. It was kind of boring, but, you know, it's a stable company. And it's just ride the rode the wave over all the, you know, innovations and change that have happened over the years. So I think Microsoft is a like lately become a, a cool company again but it really kind of speaks to like the the cultural transformation that has happened since i think the the Satya Nadella the CEO joined and since then it it just generally has become a lot more open and transparent from the top down so even like you know with senior leadership they are more transparent about like decisions that 
are being made or like tackling issues that come up from employees and kind of addressing them more head on and directly than they used to. They've shown that I think they care a lot about their employees um, and a lot about their customers too. I think just in the way that we do our job, it's very customer driven and we really want to know what the, the pain points of users are and actually how to make their life better. I think that's, it's, it's nice to work at a company where like the mission is to actually make people's lives better and more productive and more efficient. And it, it's not like a, a mission that's really driven to like make the most sales or like, you know, that's obviously there, but it's not like the, the main reason why we're doing it. We're making the main reason we're doing what we're doing is because it, it can actually make our lives better. In this case, it makes our professional lives better. A hundred percent. And I, I feel as if as well, Microsoft, has had a lot of strategic acquisitions. It's something I admire about Microsoft. You know, Microsoft's got incredible products, which I'm pretty sure if not most or all of us listening right now use. But just the way Microsoft's become such a strategic company in, in the coming years, you know, acquiring LinkedIn, acquiring GitHub, like very two good examples of obviously well-established companies. But but just the strategic pinpoint behind it, in my opinion, was really well, well thought out, especially coming from someone who's very into the tech space. And mm-hmm. touching upon the point that you made about transparency, I think that is like one of the best ways of running and managing a company and a business is it's, it's transparency. Because what you'll see with a lot of companies is they'll start off being super transparent when they're very small. And as their company size increases their transparency decreases which is obviously not it's not i wouldn't say it's like the worst thing ever in the world but i would also say it doesn't really make sense to grow so big and then just decreasing transparency as a company and as a business i don't think that is the the image that i would want for my business if i ever had one one day so i i think it's really cool that microsoft like has that sort of transparency in, in mind when leading and managing the business that, that was a good point you brought up about transparency i think and that comes in different forms right like it can come as having like access to leadership and senior leadership i think that's one important way to kind of hear directly from them whether it's in like town halls or like memos or just you know kind of hearing from them what they think of major events that have happened or things that they think can affect the future of the company and letting employees and customers know and i think that's what Microsoft has really done well at over the years. Totally agree with it. I want to understand a bit more like how it feels f- from your perspective, right? How does it feel to work in a male-dominated field? So I think back in college was when I first realized how male-dominated the tech industry is. Like I was one of very few girls in my major, computer science, um, and in my classes. And, you know, most of my professors were male. Most of the like at the career fair, all the people kind of in line with me were male. There were very few females. Um, and so I, it was a little bit hard <laughs> for sure. I, I kind of always thought like, hey, do I belong here? Am I am I like smart enough to be in this field? I don't see myself as like a coder bro dude person. Um, <laughs> you know, I, identi- I, I don't want to be that kind of stereotype. So it was difficult because like you, you know, you're not sure if you're if you can see a future in the field because you only see a certain kind of person working in that field, and so like 
even in college, as I was like, you know, doing internships and applying for jobs, um, there were a lot of key things that kind of made me feel like, yes, I, I do belong. Um, going to women in tech conferences was a big one. That was the first time I, I saw like thousands of, of females who were like, like me, also in a male dominated field and like just trying to, you know, pitch their value in this field. So that was a big thing that helped having a lot of like friends who were even just a year or two older than me and had gone through um, the task of like finding interviews and then being told by their male friends that they only got the interview because they're a female. So all those things like affected how I thought um, I could see myself in the field. In tech, there is a stereotype that, you know, most engineers are men and that product management is more of a balanced one where there's more females. Um, and I think I, I do sense that to be true. And even in my day to day at work, a lot, there are more female PMs and there are female engineers I work with. And I think it's not like, it's not uncanny to, to think why more females go into product management than in engineering. You know, in a male dominated field, because there are fewer seats at the table for women, I hate saying that, but sometimes it can come where women end up being competitive with other women. And that's also not healthy. And that's not something that should be encouraged just because there happens to be fewer seats at the table. The, the point is to make more seats at the table, right? And have a balanced and equitable place where you help women or you help underrepresented minorities get those seats at the table. You think times have shifted a bit or times are starting to shift a bit in regards to that? A little bit. I mean, I think we're kind of realizing that there is a problem that... You know, there are so few minorities at, in, in, the, in the boardrooms where decisions get made, right? And even in, in senior leadership, there, it's so important to recognize that like, just having one woman or like one having, having one black person on the, on the senior leadership does not make you diverse. And I think um, we are, are realizing that there is a problem, right? And we're trying to address it by, you know, their companies are doing things like having quotas for like diversity or having like lots of diversity and inclusion workshops and things like that. But I think it really comes down to like the, the people who are in the field need to realize if they can be an ally to those people who are underrepresented um, and actually, you know, doing their job and doing their part as an ally. Um, so an ally is someone who makes like an intentional decision to understand and empathize and act in the help of others. And and to that point is it's also understanding what diversity and and equality really mean. And equality being a funny one and I say funny because people think equality is about everyone being treated the same and everyone being treated equal, but that's actually not what equality means. Equality means everyone getting an equal opportunity. And a good example of that if I may is Let's say there's a job that's being advertised by a company and someone who's on a wheelchair applies for that job. And now they have to be called out to the building where the headquarters are to go and do a face-to-face -face interview. But that building itself does not have facilities that provide an ease for someone who has a wheelchair. So now right. what this company does, right, is they sort of make the proper arrangements to make sure that a person with wheelchair can navigate the building easily. Now, this is a clear example of someone be, being treated differently 
but receiving an equal opportunity, which is what equality is about. Equality is about receiving an equal opportunity, right? A lot of people who don't have a wheelchair can just walk into the building. But that person in this story that I'm sort of like telling you didn't have that fortunate and had the wheelchair and the building had to make adjustments. So just to sort of refine the, the, the meaning of things a bit and just get to what it really means, equality is about having an equal opportunity. And I think it's something that's really important. And I, I do strongly believe that times are changing and people are being a bit more awake if you if you want to call it so in terms of like you know like we have all these gaps and all these biases in this industry and also in many other industries and a lot of companies are realizing like you know just going on our social media platforms and hashtagging certain hashtags doesn't make us more diverse doesn't make us more equal or doesn't make us anti anti uh, racist right and so i truly believe that times are starting to shift now and we'll see like a lot more inclusion and a lot more equal opportunity being provided to to people who deserve it because it's it's that's what it's all about i wanted to understand a bit more on that what do you think companies can do to best support minorities yeah um i think uh, one thing i wanted to say was uh there is a like you you brought up there is a difference i think between equality and equity Right. So equality is giving everyone like the same piece, but equity is giving those who have shorter, like smaller amounts or smaller pieces more so they can get to the same level as people who had more. So you asked, how can companies best support minorities? I think I think there's things that we can do in the now and there's things that we can do for like the, the future that can level the playing field. So, you know, I think now like there's been a lot of companies that have changed hiring practices, for instance, um, to make their hiring practice more comprehensive and not like, how well can you prepare for this specific coding interview? Um, because that's not necessarily the best g- way to gauge how well someone can fit at your company and how well, like, you know, what their potential is. So I think changing like interview styles is one way. Changing interview practices is one way. Like, you know, if you're only being interviewed by a certain kind of person, uh, you might not see that you can fit in the company. So it's like having diverse interviewers is also one thing that helps um, with supporting people who are just applying to your company. Actually helping kind of provide resources and opportunities for current employees to kind of re-educate about diversity and inclusion, um, whether it's having workshops, inviting outside professionals in this uh, this field who've done research. also providing, I think, something that like my division does that I really liked at work is uh, provide an ally skills workshop. So it's, you know, taking almost, you know, half a day off and kind of just understanding scenarios where you as an ally can understand what someone is going through and kind of vouch and speak up for them. I think helping employees be the best allies is a way that employ- companies can support minorities um, and people who are not represented or may not feel like they have a voice. So I think those are two things that come to mind of like how to support minorities. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and I agree with them. And I, I think we'll, we'll see a lot of those things that you've mentioned, plus a handful of other things being implemented in the coming years because of this awakeness that 2020 has brought, uh, ironically enough, in one of the most incredible years, if I may say incredible, 
as a <laughs> double meaning there. Now, I want to know, is company culture important for you and why? Definitely. I think company culture, uh, I mean, you're spending like what, a third of your day at, at work or sometimes more, right? In a day. It's like a third of your life is essentially in at work and at a company. So it's really important because, you know, you're surrounding yourself with, with teammates and friends and it's affecting the way you see yourself. It's affecting how you think of your own self-worth by like how you perform at work, by your interactions with your manager and your peers at work. So I think I mean, our company culture is extremely important and probably one of the most important things when deciding or evaluating whether a job is for you or not. It's about having like peers and colleagues who will champion for you if they realize that you know you're you're getting the short end of the stick or um like you're you're helping you in, like increase visibility and and talk about your work in ways that you like in in case there's situations where you might not be there like they can you know give you credit where it's deserved and things like that like i think a lot of those colleague interactions make a big part of what company culture is it's understanding that your manager is has your back for you and that you your work and your your contributions are being recognized and valued and even outside that like outside of your immediate team it's a how how well do you identify with the overall company mission and vision um do you like your leadership like that's also a, a big part of company culture um and then there's other things like you know that affect company culture like work life balance and how well your company is you know especially during this remote work life it's been difficult for so many people there's so many unique situations that people are in. How well can your company um, support that and help you be flexible and adapt and like understand how this you know crisis has changed all of our lives? So I, a company culture is extremely important, especially now more than ever. What do you think are the most important principles and company values a business should have? I think at the end of the day, a company should care about its people, whether it's its employees or its customers. Um, and I think it's really apparent when a company doesn't. So I think it's, it's empathy, it's understanding, it's transparency and accountability, right? Like you have to be able to hold, like employees should, should be able to hold um, their leadership accountable. Um, they, you should trust that your leadership is making responsible and informed and ethical decisions. So they're, they're transparent about it and that you should just, you should like, you should like what at the end of the day, what your work is being tied to. And so I think, that also comes down to transparency and understanding how your work can impact the greater scheme of your company. I totally agree with it. And I also think like a lot of companies get it wrong. And it is so bad because it's like it's your foundation. Your company values are your foundation, your principles. They are the morals by which people will then look up to the company and, see, and, and think and see this is how we carry ourselves. Like, for example, customer driven. So, so and, and this is a funny one because like most companies would say that or one of our company values is being customer driven. Well, the thing here is, what does that have to do with your business as a whole internally, right? How about we say being people driven? Because then that means you care about your, your employees and cares about and you care about, you know, your customers. At the end of the day, the, the statistical and, and sort of factual and values of measure. And then there's actual real values like being transparent, you know, and open-mindedness, for example, is a good one. And so it's it's funny because over the years, what I've seen is I've seen companies claim certain things as their values, but I see those certain things as more like values of measure and statistics more than they actually are 
company values and and you know at the end of the day everyone's got their own opinion i'm sure some people will agree to disagree to this and each each company has their own and each company views it differently like people view like the way i see it might not be the way you know you sana see it or anyone else listen to this is it but it's sort of like my 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 intake and to that and there's a there's a really good quote that i'm sure you've heard right like culture eats strategy for breakfast uh, no i actually haven't what, uh, what i don't know who said it but it's it's you know right, like even if like you can set your business objectives to be whatever but at the end of the day your culture and how people at you and your company value your company and and see your mission and believe in how they actually work is what's going to affect the success of your company. Oh that's really cool. I never heard that one. Learn something new every day. Thanks for that Sana. To sort of wrap it up. Do you think things have shifted in terms of companies forced to shift their culture because of the current pandemic? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, I feel like, you know, it came all of a sudden, but it was such a a, a forcing function for companies to make very swift decisions on how to support their comp- like their employees during this time. So, you know, having like really flexible like childcare policies and offering support to parents who are working through, you know, not just their full-time job but also their their full-time job as being a parent. So like that like that was what huge example of of I think companies shifting shifting their culture, you know, helping employees who like they can't work or have families to support or um are working different hours or have to change locations to take care of you know like their their families and their like maybe potentially sick uh relatives and things like that having realizing that this you know the fact that we're currently trying to work normally while in a pandemic can take an effect on people's mental health too right we're all kind of cooped up inside for the last six months and that you know you just kind of need a, a, a mental health reset time to time uh, where work doesn't like take over your life. Um, so I think offering, you know, having, setting the example that it's like, okay to take a break. It's okay to, you know, take time to take care of yourself and your family during this time. That's like a big shift, right? So many companies have changed their, their work from uh, work from home policy. Like they've made it permanent. So it, it really poses a lot of questions for the future when we've, you know, eventually come out of this pandemic. Can we, can we still work the way we were? when you know we don't have to and everyone's become a lot more flexible and adaptable with when you work how you work as long as you get your job done and that you're not you know super stressed out by the circumstances yeah I totally agree at the end of the day however you approach work as long as it's getting delivered and you're not jeopardizing or compromising your own well-being and your both physical and mental then i think that's a, a win-win situation to wrap up today's episode, and really appreciated your time today, Sana. So thank you so much. But final no, question. thank you so much. Is what's up and what's next for you? Oh man, it's so hard to plan your future right now. I don't know if you've uh, realized it's it's just been difficult to because the next the next month is unpredictable, right? Um, yeah. Let alone the next six months or next year. Um, so I've been at home with my family. You know, I think. I've, I'm a pro I've passed my two-year mark of working I think you know I, I'm I'm doing a lot of like coffee chats with with people to catch up and, and hear different perspectives of just like what do I want to do with my future you know studying for my GRE to put, uh, apply for grad school at some point yeah I think 
I really like what I'm working on and I can see myself working here for a, a bit longer. Um, we'll see, we'll see what's next. We'll see where in the world we are next too, right? In the next six months, we could all work from anywhere. So it's hard. It's kind of hard to plan exactly what's next at the moment. I know it's always an interesting question, which is why I always throw it at the end. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. I am sure you'll sort of smash anything that you sort of get up to. And I'm looking forward to catching up with you more time. So in the future, thank you so much for your time, son. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm glad to be here. And if you guys have enjoyed today's episode, then please make sure to listen to the next podcast to find out what's up and what's next.